welcome back to this week's episode of the Awakening Bodies Podcast. What kind of impact would practicing self-restraint and self-control have in your life? How would it support you in moving closer towards your goals? And what kind of support would it bring to you in your day-to-day? This is the conversation that we dive into today with Carissa. If you've missed the conversation that we already have with her in the past, go back and listen to it because this is going to be a great follow-up on that. We explore brahmacharya which amongst many things, as you'll learn today, the key thing is self-contrain and self-control. The idea of being able to be conscious and intentional about the energy that we have and how to harness it and how to move it into a way that is productive for us, not wasted like unfortunately many of us do. So in the conversation today, we invite you to bring your life into the picture. Start to explore where in your life are you giving away your energy, maybe to people, maybe to situations, maybe to projects that are not aligned with you, and how practicing a sense of self-control and restraint can bring a next level of experience for your life. Thanks for being here. Let's dive in. So finding a comfortable space to settle into, one that you can sustain for some period of time, Flip your left palm up, press down the ring finger with your thumb with about five pounds of pressure, Surya Mudra, channeling the energy from the sun. And then raise your right hand up towards your face, pressing down your peace fingers, leaving your thumb, your ring, and your pinky remaining. And with your right thumb, gently shut your right nostril. Exhale softly out of your left nostril. Inhale through the left. Plug it with the ring and pinky and exhale softly out of your right nostril. Inhale right. Plug it with the thumb, exhale left. Inhale left. Plug it, exhale right. Inhale right. Plug it, exhale left. Inhale. Plug it, exhale right. Inhale right. Plug both nostrils, tuck your chin, locking the throat, Chaladara Bandha, Antara Kumbhaka. Exhale. Big inhale through the nose. Exhale, audible sound. (sighs) 
When you're ready, open your eyes. good right it's beautiful yeah it's beautiful there's um you just made me think of i remember reading um autobiography of a yogi yeah and talking about somewhere in, along the, the process of somebody that's been through a pro through a practice continuously communicates a message compared to somebody that doesn't practice whatever they're communicating and the person that practices that message lands in such a completely different way than the person that doesn't correct and you in that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for pointing so, that out. For sure. It's, it's your, your consistency. Yeah, it's, you can tell um, when the energy is coming from a place where someone who is actually applying it in their life. Because um, you're able to really speak to it. Hmm. Versus someone who's learned something in a book. Sure. Or has studied something with the focus of then presenting that information to someone else. It just doesn't hit hmm. exactly the same. Mm. When you feel like someone can relate to you through their own story or through their own message, it is stronger. For sure. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. So with, with, and I'm so excited to be having this conversation again with you. Let me just double check to make sure this is on. Okay. It is having this conversation with you again. The, the, um, the last episode we did on Santosha is one of our most listened to episodes. And I'm so excited to dive deep into what we're going to talk to today. Now, for those of you that haven't listened to the conversation with Clarissa on Santosha, I invite you to go check it out. I'll tag it uh, down below so you can go and have a direct link to it. But the numbers say, you know, something about what we spoke about, and we're going to go deeper into what the, the bigger theme of it. However, welcome. I'm excited to be diving into this with you and to explore, to explore this, this next phase of the conversation yeah and thank you so much Sebs, for having me here again and providing this space for us to dive deep into the things that we love and to yes. share them with others so before we dive into the topic i'm intrigued so for those that don't know we were just doing some breath work some nadi shodna opposite natural breathing why opposite natural breathing and then why the mudra to the sun so the mudra for Surya Mudra for the sun um, is just that we get our energy from the sun. So um, the prana, the life force, without the sun, essentially we wouldn't be here on this planet. We'd be a lifeless ball of ice. So it's really just attuning into that energy, um, that expansiveness, but also the Nadi Shodhana helps to balance the energy out. So it's not necessarily a grounding breathing technique or an ascending breathing technique. It's more about a neutralizing um, exercise. So it kind of takes you from wherever you are and puts you in the middle. Mm. And it's just a way to clear all the, the blockages or, or energetic um, grantis, as we would call them, knots that are running up and down your spine um, by breathing in and out of your left and right nostril, pingala and ida, nadi, the masculine and feminine, really just so that that breath is able to travel freely up and down your spine. So... It's definitely one of my go-to breathing exercises. The first time I learned about, and this is why yoga for me is such an exciting conversation because it's a, it, it, it's, it, it's a science. And when I first understood that it's a science, not a religion, and through teacher training, understanding the Ida Pingala and the different channels and the way in which we could either heighten our energy or ground the energy through something like simple breathing. And again, I think our world, our society, we as people, as humans, we've forgotten that power because mm -hmm. we just get so caught up and nothing against people it's just we're human we're yeah human. we have human tendencies for sure <laughs> human tendencies 
And you have a shirt that says love your human suit. Oh, so which yes. Which makes me think of this. Makes me think of the human suit in which we're in, which yeah. we are so quick to be distracted by. We run away from. We do whatever we can to sometimes get so detached from the experience we're going through. When our reality, it's like Joseph Campbell says, the, the cave we fear to enter is the one that holds the treasure we seek. If we can really tap into our bodies the most, we can actually experience a whole new deeper level of understanding of who we are. For sure. For sure. And just so everyone knows here, Love Your Human Suit um, is a brand from a very dear friend of mine, Julianne, and it's very authentic and creative. It's now. So I really resonate with that, and I just wanted to put that out there. So Love Your Human Suit, check her out. Yeah, yeah, I love it. We met through teacher training and built a deep relationship because, again, authenticity and genuineness. I remember the first time we spoke, there's a lot of just diving deep into what was really going on. And I respect that. Kind of like you. Yay. We dive deep. We, we dive do deep. dive deep, yes. Kind of like today. Yeah. So we're exploring Brahmacharya. Brahmacharya, yes. Brahmacharya. Help us understand what Brahmacharya is and how it uh, connects with what we were speaking about in the last conversation. So, Brahmacharya is one of the core ethic beliefs or practices or principles. Um, it's a yama. So in uh, yoga, we have the yamas and niyamas, which in relationship to other spiritual paths could be considered to be like the thousand thou shall nots. It's um, kind of like a prerequisite for being a yogi. It's um, a discipline. Um, and so brahmacharya is one that from the beginning of my journey really resonated with me. And um, basically, it can be translated as um, complete abstinence or being chaste. Um, but loosely, it's also translated as living a life of moderation um, or self-control or self-restraint. And what they're referring to is that it's someone who's practicing brahmacharya or who's become established in brahmacharya um, is really grounded in their learning. They're considered to be a student of yoga. It's also sometimes referred to as being a pupil. So a pupil is like a child or a young student um, that's studying and is on the path of self-realization. And that remains the focus throughout the journey um, is just to always remain a student. Mm. Uh, when it speaks of the abstinence and the, the self-restraint, self-control, it's really referring to our ability to detach from materialism um, but also people and places and things and all those things that really pull us into our lower energies mm. or our more animalistic qualities um, that's seeking or that overly seeking things to fill the void, to make us feel better. So it's really this broad type of thing. It's not necessarily just being um, abstinent from, you know, yeah, intimate sex, relationships or, or sex or um it's really just more in my in my best way to translate it would be living a, a modest lifestyle mm, you make me think of fasting i just finished a 72 yeah. hour fasting oh my gosh week. so cool and every time i do one there's like a different layer that just unravels actually julianne to bring up the love you just did a she seven. just did a seven yeah. day. i know i saw that. that that's incredible for me three days in i'm like realizing how much uh i mean even just one day in realizing <laughs> Even eight hours in, I'm realizing how attached I am to food and how my focus is like, okay, food. Like I should be eating, but am I really hungry? Yeah. More times than not, I'm not. It's just a human pattern that kicks into the picture. So here we are talking about moderation. Yeah. Right? You said three things. Moderation. What was the other two? 
Moderation, self-restraint, self-control. Self-restraint, okay. For In the world of today, I mean, those are three things that I'd say has kind of been hijacked by the way in which life is. Mm -hmm. I mean, between technology, between distractions, between mm -hmm. people, um, our own level of putting up boundaries, that is a challenging thing to be self-restrained, sure. self-controlled. Yes, because um, society right now is so fixated on our physical appearance, all those things that we identify with that are outside of us, like, oh, I am a teacher, I'm a model, I'm a doctor, oh, my significant other is a lawyer, or I drive a Benz, or um, all these things that don't really mean anything, like what I do for a living, or who I'm dating, or where I come from, or what my parents, where they came from, or what nationality, like all those things that, and it's like society has really had us programmed to feel like those things are more important or the most important. Um, so when you brought up the love your human suit thing, it's like, you know, how could we not feel that pressure from society when that's what everyone else seems to be focused on? It makes us feel like we're the outcasts. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, but I took class this morning and um, the teacher was saying basically that we have to be leaders and we are the leaders of this conscious mm -hmm. evolution. Mm -hmm. And so it is our job to speak our mind and our peace and our heart and kind of like be that motivating initiating factor and to not feel like we're standing alone because sometimes you when you're doing the right thing you do feel like you're standing alone mm. you become kind of like the outcast sure um and so yeah so good 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 stuff there so and just on that I acknowledge you openly here mm -hmm. for everyone to listen because this is yeah. not a, a a like for you this isn't the thing that you would prefer to do being in a conversation that's going to be listened to by thousands of mm -hmm. people like for most people that's not a comfortable thing it's, it's not it's not so thank you because yeah. here we are having this conversation and yeah we are the leaders yeah and you are a phenomenal leader Sorry you're you an incredible said. thank you i appreciate that yeah we're we're here on the forefront of a complete evolution as a society mm -hmm. like we've never seen what we're seeing today and it's continuing to grow and expand with the advent of of, of technology and what's mm -hmm. happening in the financial world and society like we're literally going through some of the biggest changes that history has ever known for sure and it does come down to us mm -hmm. and ultimately to bring it back to the conversation the theme of it the moderation part mm -hmm. if we don't have a sense of moderation we allow everything to get in the way mm -hmm. we're no longer being focused on the things that actually drive us the values the things that actually we're just distracted we're distracted yeah. yeah so for somebody that maybe right now the idea of moderation self-control self-restraint is like maybe they know that they should be doing it maybe it's like something that's kind of starting to mm -hmm. they know there's something that's missing and maybe it's that what would you say to that person to start to support them in walking down this path so first i would like to just explain a little deeper on my personal journey with Beautiful. brahmacharya just to kind of get a little bit more of a focal point with this um so it's, it is my understanding or my belief that everything that we touch, we give energy to. We also receive energy from that. Um, and everything we engage in, we're giving energy. There's an energy exchange to some degree. Um, and when we become overcommitted to too many things or we're engaging in too many things, our energy is very dispersed. And although we may feel like we're reaching a, a broad spectrum of things, like, oh, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm here and I'm there. It's like, we're really undercommitted to all of those things mm -hmm. because we're giving so much energy to all these different things, but just in little doses. So we're not really able to really give more to each one of those things, right? Now you're speaking to me. So, um, yeah. So, and, and, and also more specifically in relationships, 
I mean, I'm sure if we got a room of people together and we were like, who's had some terrible relationships that most people would raise their hands, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not that we're judging those people or those relationships, but it's just that at that time, whatever about the dynamic was not healthy or may have been toxic for some people, right? Because both people showing up were not showing up as their full self, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're showing up and you're not your in your true essence and you're doing all these energy exchanges, you're essentially giving energy away to something that's not, I don't like to use the word profitable, but beneficial to your overall, you know, health or well-being or the relationship itself. Um, and so Brahmacharya for me is really about stopping and pausing and being aware and conscious of what I'm actually engaging in. Mm -hmm. Who am I engaging with? What energy am I giving out? Am I getting energy back? You know, what is the energy transfer um, or exchange? And is it beneficial to me? Um, or am I just depleting myself constantly and, and ending up exhausted because this is not beneficial or profitable to me in any way? Mm. Um, and so I've chosen, um, and I think a couple of years before I started really getting deep into my practice, I was already practicing brahmacharya on an unconscious level. And I think I was not ready to like be in a relationship. This was going after like a seven year relationship and having a pretty devastating ending to that. Um, so it could have been a little bit of fear mm. or just a timidness that I wasn't ready to like, you know, get out there. So for about two years, I was practicing brahmacharya, complete abstinence from relationships, from sexual activity or intercourse or inter intimate, anything like that. Uh, and then when I started practicing really heavy and getting into my svadhyaya, my self-study, um, I decided that I was going to commit to it consciously. Mm. So now it's been going on probably five years, um, maybe a little bit more, that I've been consciously choosing not to participate in the relationship world. Um, and obviously there's been times where I've come across people that were like intriguing or I was physically attracted to, or it seemed interesting. And, you know, and then it just, I, I either came to a realization very quickly that this is not it, or I, I waited long enough. I paused and I waited long enough to really do that inner reflection and that inner work and to realize that this isn't something that I wish to engage in right now, because I do feel like it's going to be depleting to my energy. Right. Mm. Um, not to judge a situation, you never know. Yeah. You never know, but it's kind of just taking that sacred space and giving it to myself yeah. and saying like, I'm committed to myself and to what makes me happy and to what brings me joy and fulfillment. And I'll know when I'm ready, you know? Mm. And, and when I meet that person, I'll know that it's that person. You know, it's like, that may seem like this traditional, like fairy tale thing, but it's like, just to have reckless, meaningless, sex in my opinion is not beneficial for anybody mm. you know you're essentially like that's the most powerful thing that you can do is to is to make love with somebody mm -hmm. do you know what i mean mm -hmm. and it's like mm -hmm. if it's not authentic and of true essence and 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 in alignment you are just giving your energy away totally you know um and that energy that you're giving away your spiritual energy is really what we're trying to harness mm. and to capitalize on but first we must create that channel we must clear that channel and that takes a lot of self-awareness and so it's really kind of just pulling the reels in and like making a decision to not you know be reckless That's <laughs> <laughs> because our lower animalistic yeah. quality in nature is like rawr, you know sure. what i mean like yep 
desire acquired, desire acquired, desire acquired. We get in this loop, the cycle where it's like we're never satiated mm. and we're constantly desiring and acquiring. And it's like, then we end up just acquiring a whole bunch of junk that like really, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and we never, we don't feel any different. We feel the same. That's, that's so so it's almost about emptying out, giving it all up, giving it all away, breaking it down to the bare, to the bare minimum and then building the stuff, self back up. Mm. And that emptying out being the giving away or not giving into the desires and specifically lust. Like, I mean, that's a great example. We take a look at how much right now of industry and economy is driven by lust, whether it's literally OnlyFans, which is for that, or a billboard, which is all focused on men or women half naked to attract attention. So it's like you're, what you're pointing to is, again, this level of self-restraint where you're not just giving yourself away. I know for myself, when Laura and I first started getting serious, I remember telling her like, hey, Laura Beth is abstinence. And she got so taken back by it. She's like, what's wrong? Am I doing anything wrong? Like, do you not like me anymore? And it's like, that was a good reflection for me to realize that. How like, much energy is being put into that? Correct. And, and how much we confuse that that is connection and intimacy. Yeah. That a sexual intercourse with somebody means that we're connected. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't have to mean that. It doesn't. At all. Yeah. You can easily be having sex with somebody and have no intimacy. And you could have no sex with somebody, have deep levels of intimacy. Deep intimacy, yeah, for sure. Mm. So for your... Well, we invest so much in it. It's like, we grew, that's another part of the programming. It's like, we grew up that that's like part of it. And that's like, you know, what people do when they're in love with each other. And then it's like, True. and then the euphoria and the erotica that you experience while you're, while you're engaging in sex is like, it trumps everything. Like it makes you go cuckoo. Like sure. it's like, yep. do you know what yep. I mean? Like totally. you can become so fixated on that. And it's like, to sometimes we're in, in unhealthy and, and dysfunctional relationships, mm-hmm. people will say like, oh, the makeup sex is good. You know, and it's mm-hmm. like, why? And it's like, because all that fear and discontentedness and anger and, and shame and, and lack of self, um, you know, worthiness and all that stuff. Once you get to that point where you feel like that person's giving you what you need or you reach that the euphoria mm-hmm. or that erotica, you're like, everything's better. Mm-hmm. So it becomes almost like, a double-edged sword like it's like it's not, it's good but it's not good it's kind of reinforcing that there's something wrong yeah Does that make sense? totally because okay. that because then that I could be sure what i just said delivered because sometimes <laughs> I, I, get I heard it i heard it and it comes out and i'm like wait is there a table what i hear from what you're saying is it's really easy for us to confuse that sexual intercourse as being the quote-unquote solution to the problem and yeah. our reality could just be adding just another band-aid on top of another band-aid well then you feel worse afterwards because there's no connection <laughs> yeah true yeah 100 percent you know, this makes me think of like tantric, for example, tantric practices. When I first learned I about it, learn more about so much. That's my next, yeah. Cool. Oh man, I think curious and interested, but I just haven't studied or delved in there yet. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see what you get from it because yeah. it's 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 very much in alignment with what we're talking about here. Where yeah, there is the external manifestation or or, or expression of it, but it's also very internal mm-hmm. and that movement of energy, that, that that clearing of the channel to be able to actually harness that within. I mean, in French, they literally call an orgasm the little death because you're dying, at least for the man. It's like a small death because you're letting all of that energy out. Mm-hmm. Remember when I first learned through Mantak Chia, the idea of this, the idea of, of he calls it sharpening the sword, where there's there's this back and forth of the man practicing restraint during yeah, sex. That's the next thing I was just going to bring up to you, yeah. To not actually go all the way through yes. so that energy doesn't just get expelled. It doesn't get thrown away. It's the most beautiful thing. It's the most powerful thing. Do you feel like that should be considered brahmacharya? Do you feel like it's kind of like a a, short? It's a great question. (laughs) It's like, well, I'm kind of practicing brahmacharya, but kind of not. That's a great, I I would say no. I would say no. 
because I mean you can't be half pregnant. So it could be it could be a, a restraining aspect in okay I'm not gonna finish, however and I love that we're here right now. <laughs> it's so good. It's, it's so good. I love it. Yeah. It's but it's still not restrained because full restraint from this context is full no. And can I still muster that energy and can I still harness that energy without having without having to tap into the animalistic side of the flesh? Yes. And also, too, I um, I recently heard, and I, I don't want to say it verbatim because I, I might be wrong. One of the gods, there's a story that says one of the gods like became angry and split the soul into two. Mm. And that essentially we were, you know, casted here onto this planet to find the other half of our soul. Whew. I don't know, this, I may be saying it harshly. That may not be exactly how it is, but that's the message underneath is yeah. pretty much that the god became angry and split the soul into two and that we're here forever seeking the other half of our soul mm. and that essentially it's obviously like within us mm. but we're we're seeking someone else to find that other half but i mean you you know it just depends on what your interpretation and you get sure. the story so i would sure. encourage you i'll probably send it to you later if i can find it please yeah yeah I'd be interested in you reading it and what you get from it but um that we're like searching outside of us for this missing part of us this other half um, but that it's really truly like still within us, you know. Mm. Um, and so I feel like that brahmacharya or that period of abstinence or modesty or, and also when I, when I was saying the part earlier about emptying everything out and being with emptiness, I was speaking more about like becoming very simple, like making a simple lifestyle, right? So not that you can't enjoy the finer things, but kind of like trimming away at the things that are excess or that seem like they're just luxuries or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, privileged problems, you know, and just kind of like simplifying the life to where you really are able to look and say like, okay, this, I'm giving this much energy to this and this is energy to that and this is helpful and this is not. And if your life is super crazy and you're engaged in all these different things, like it's kind of hard to like, Mm -hmm. just running around with a chicken with no head on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, and I feel like too, a lot of the times that, that inappropriate, like, um, seeking or or needing for validation or needing for reinforcement and don't get it wrong I still do that in some ways with my friendships I don't I'll need to get validated or something be like hey let me run this by you and sure. this makes sense to you but like that having to give yourself away and to set and to settle or to um you know just for some quick gratification yeah you know that yeah. doesn't last and I think everyone knows that, you know, but it's hard in the heat of the moment to really change that, I feel like. Yeah, well, and it's, I mean, what you're pointing to is we as humans, we're so quick to seek the validation from externally versus looking internally. Mm-hmm. And that thing that we may be seeking, whether it's material, whether it's sexual, at the end of the day is empty, to your point, because we're trying to fill a void with something that is not going to fill the void because it's not the void. That's not the gap. The gap doesn't exist in the sexual intercourse. It does not exist in the car, in the house. No, the void lies in you. Maybe... When you were six years old experiencing something that completely separated you as, as, as an entity and now started to fragmentize, uh, f- fragmentalize you mm-hmm. and to be able to be present with saying, okay, maybe that's why that thing is coming up. But now we're talking about the consciousness, that level of intention mm-hmm. where it brings in the whole idea of moderation. Mm-hmm. Because if we're being consistently bombarded by information left and right and everything is literally made so that we're consistently tied into the apps, into the technology, and there's going to be no consciousness that's going to be raised enough to say, oh, wow, I feel like I've been drowning, but I didn't even realize because I've been so tied into all of this noise and all this distraction. Yes. Yes. 
And that's really what one of my main focuses on for this talk was how me personally, I can testify to this as being a beneficial practice because, um, you know, women, they say that the, the feminine dysfunctional emotions, which we all have both masculine and feminine, mm -hmm. whether we identify with being male or female, we have equal parts masculine and feminine. Mm -hmm. um, and so that our feminine um, dysfunctional emotions are sadness and shame. Uh, and those are results of our karmic actions. And our masculine dysfunctional emotions are anger and guilt. And they're a result of our inactions, our karmic inactions. So for the female, when the female is wounded, right, she's shamed and usually sad, yeah. right? Because because of that shame, she then isolates herself. Yeah. She's all be seen. And that makes her sad, right? Because then she's alone. Yeah. So... so and a lot of the times with the feminine, which the energy is very dynamic, it's very creative, it's very um, diverse and act, active, you know, um, when, that, when that gets subjugated or gets, um, you know, pushed down, the woman kind of like starts to deteriorate because mm -hmm. it's like, with the feminine, let me not say woman, let me mm -hmm. say the feminine, mm -hmm. it starts to kind of shrink, mm -hmm. right? And it, mm -hmm. and it gets pushed down, it gets subdued. Um, and that creative energy, it goes along with that. It gets subdued. Mm -hmm. And so um, through practicing brahmacharya, although I've had ups and downs, you know, and, and experiences that, you know, have been helpful and then also have helped, have for some period of time created confusion for me or made me second guess and I was tempted, you know, whatever it is. Um, I've seen myself over the last, like specifically more or less the last two years, really tap back into my creative abilities. So I used to like write lyrics and write poems. Like I was like, loved writing. And I would say that up until the last two years, it's been like close to a decade before, uh, or it's been at least a decade since I'd written like any kind of, you know, inspirational writings or poetry or anything like that. And I just recently started writing again over the last like year or two. Um, and then singing, I love to sing. And so I've just recently been doing that painting. I started to paint. Um, and so I've seen a lot of my creative energy that's coming back up. And obviously that's a combination with practicing yoga. So tapas and effort and, and discipline in my practice. Um, my, my, you know, joy in doing my swati ayama self study and then always surrendering. Right. So it's like every day to wake up, I have to surrender and say, Hey, you know, like this is not the best decision for me right now because I want to focus and direct my energy in this way. And it takes really slowing down and simplifying to do those things, right? Um, but just really feeling that feminine energy come up. So the so the feminine energy they say is coiled at the bottom of your spine. Mm -hmm. The Kundalini energy, it's dynamic, it's feminine, it's divine, it's it's powerful, mm -hmm. right? And then when it gets subdued, it gets stuck at the bottom of the spine. Uh, and mm -hmm. so slowly mm -hmm. over time, it'll start to rise up the spine. And you'll see that creative energy. And, and I really feel like practicing brahmacharya helps to harness that energy and allow it to safely and smoothly rise again. So that way the feminine energy can be expressed. Um, and that takes a lot of energy that needs to be healed mm. and masculine too, yeah. right? So along with practicing brahmacharya, I found that my relationships with men have really been a big part of my growing and my learning, right? So like even, you know, friends that are male, like some people they'll feel like, oh, you can't have friends that are male. Like I know people who really believe that you can't have a friend mm. of the opposite sex. I'm like, mm. what are you talking about? Yep. So, and those those people whose mindset are very much 
geared into like, oh, well, that means that they're together or they're mm-hmm. having sex or they're hooking up. There has to be an alternative motive sure. or a hidden agenda of some sort. And it's like, no, what if we're just healing? What if we're just helping to heal each other? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, some, some, some of those friendships that I've been able to gain over the last couple of years and had those boundaries set had allowed me to experience that healing. So there's been like males in my life that in the last couple of years that have really helped me to grow. Mm. And I think it's because there was that boundary. For sure. There was a friendship that was actually able to grow and to harness and that you could see the person who they really are because there aren't those hidden agendas or those selfish, you know, self-seeking motives to feel the, felt the void. Yeah, I mean, it's, and again, to the moderation part, I personally, back in high school, there was people, women that I was very close with. And the moment that we stepped over a boundary and maybe hooked up and kissed, it shifted the dynamic and we couldn't go back in time. And I know of too many people that right now, when I'm speaking with some men that are like really upset because they were really connected to this woman, they had sex with the woman. And then they were like, what happened? Like we were so connected. We were so dynamic. Everything was so natural. And then we thought what we thought was, we did what we thought was right or supposed to do back to the programming. And now it's like the relationship has been completely warped. That boundary was now crossed. And now what could have been built is now no longer the case. That connection is now severed because we thought that we were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But no, it's not the case. The ego is a tricky thing. So the ego comes into the picture and, and pulls I that guess. in? Wasn't I that desired? I so because if you think about it like this, right? And now we're getting a little bit off from a child, but I think it's good stuff. Uh-huh. Is that you ever heard this before? So like when you first meet somebody, all the things that you like about them, when you first meet them, end up becoming the things that you're not happy with uh-huh. about them afterwards. I relate. Right? I've so it's like though. all the things that draw you to that person, right? Like let's think let's think in a typical dysfunctional, toxic relationship, male-female, right? The man might originally like that the woman's outgoing and flirty and confident and, you know, sometimes wears revealing clothing, you know, not trashy, but, you know, mm-hmm. sexy. She's sexy and she's just, but then all of a sudden a year into the relationship now, he doesn't want her talking to anybody. He doesn't like that she's so confident. He doesn't like what she's wearing. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the ego, right? So it's the same thing I feel like when people rush into things, especially sex. It's like, and in that moment, you're everything I want. You're everything I need, right? But then all of a sudden, it's like, low-key underneath, you've lost respect for that person because in your true moral value, your core and your ethics and your belief system, maybe you didn't think that it was appropriate or that it was the right time, but the ego says, yes, do it. I want it. That's what I want, right? The senses takes Mm -hmm. over, hijacks. And then afterwards, you're kind of like, well, now I don't really, I'm not really attracted to that person anymore. It's like, you're seeing yourself in that person. For me, my Mm -hmm. opinion is like, you've shown each other, each other. Yeah. And you didn't like it. Yeah. And so it's like a reinforcement, but it's maybe not like the best feeling. You know, but you tell something, right? You're like, okay, wait, that's not what I want. I do that. Mm, mm. This is where relationships are the yeah. easiest mirror for us to understand who we are and who we're not. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah, it can be yeah. really confronting. Yeah. And that's one thing two people have said to me over the past couple of years, because like I have friends that are like, it's time, girl, to start dating and this and that. And I'm like, mm, you know, and it's like, but they're like, you grow so much. Like you learn so much from being in a relationship. Mm. With people. And that's true too. It's true. it's true, but again, you're you're, you're somebody you that's. Know what your focus is? What are you doing it for? Correct, yeah. and and what are you doing outside of that? Because I mean, if somebody could be in, in a relationship 
or no relationship, but they're not consistently growing who they are as individuals and doing things in the world to support. It's going to be a smaller box that they're putting themselves in, but you're in a position where you're consistently growing yourself. Like now it makes much more sense for me to understand why you're able to hold a room with 60, 70 people and in a 105 degree room for an hour and a half, you're you're going. That's nice if it's 105. And it's like, this <laughs> but now it makes sense because you have all this energy that you're able to harness you're able to transmute yeah. and you're able to like literally yeah, we project need, we need to have those periods of expanding out and then retracting so like i try really hard and i think i spoke with you about this on our last episode was just like really making sure i'm taking that time to conserve my energy like to kind of retract and and go in and be by myself and sit with myself and breathe by myself and kind of process all those things throughout the day that seem to be taking up space in my mind so that way when i do show up i'm showing up full mm-hmm. and whole and with energy um i did just want to just for the sake of this conversation just make sure that i explained that brahmacharya too discusses is is what brahmacharya is but also like um so in hinduism they have these stages of life and brahmacharya is the first stage so brahmacharya okay. is the student or the people and then grasta which is a householder Vanaprastha, which is a forest walker, but basically that means that. So, ha- so being a householder, after you've been a student of yoga, you decide, okay, now it's time to have a family, to have kids, to to ha- get a job, right, to take care of my family. But then after you've taken care of your kids and you finish kind of like that householder requirement, then you go into a place where you kind of step back into your spiritual path and they call it like a forest mm. walker. But I've read it also that it's like you've taken care of your responsibilities, you've done your duties, and now you can recommit some of your life to your studies or to your spiritual path. And then right. the last is sannyasa, which is to completely renunciate everything and to move to the mountains somewhere and become just a meditating yogi and just completely withdraw from the world, which obviously we can't do that. Um, so they do consider us to be like the householders. So we we can meditate and we can engage in yoga but to some degree we still have to participate in society and life and go to work and do these things that everyone else in the matrix is doing but nice. i do think some of us have that ability that that privilege to be able to to devote maybe a little bit more time to those these practices so. to the stages yeah I, I love and and so like these stages make me think as you're sharing them i think about like in our society how people when they get 60 65 70 they retire but then when they retire, now there's no, I mean, how many people die after they retire? The number's huge. Too many people die after they retire because they lost our purpose. And just to be direct, but morbid. Purpose. It's so sad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, crazy though. And, and it happens. Well, and then they start having a whole bunch of sex. <laughs> At that age, we got <laughs> blessed. No, seriously. You didn't know, know that. No. Yes. Oh, wait, I have heard you this. Have I have heard, heard this because of all the nursing homes. All the nursing homes. Yes, the that's right. STDs. Yes. Wow. Because they're looking for purpose. <laughs> true, though, I because mean, now. Like, they have no children. Like, you know, their children have moved on. Yeah. They yeah, take yeah. care of themselves. They have no job. They just are existing. And it's like, what else is there to do? And that's, you know. Mm. But that goes back to the human instinct and like who we are right, at, animalistic. Uh, yeah, at animalistic, where if we're not conscious and intentional, and then we're overtaken by these energies and not these energies, but just the human nature, yeah. animalistic, mammalist, mammal side. Like the lower chakras. Yeah, which yeah. is like, okay, go and do what you're here to do, which is don't go procreate, even if you're 85 years old and you can barely get it up. Yeah. 
Uh, but that that creative energy is in the lower, mm-hmm. you know. So it's so they say that our self, our true self, is in the Svadhisthana, the sacral, but also there. Where's the sacral for those that don't know? It's above the root and just below the belly button. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, it is basically the sex organs and all that jazz mm-hmm. stuff down there. But it's where our creative energy is. Um, but also it's where the ego is. Mm. So they kind of are the both there. So mm. the ego, once we've subdued it to some degree, it kind of dissolves down into the into the, the sacral, but it never really goes away. Mm. It's always down there and it always can bubble up at any time. So I kind of look at it like they're down there having a little like war, right? Like, well, like yeah. creative energy and where the ego are like, mm. you know. Which I think is also beautiful. I mean, I think, and we spoke a little bit about this last time regarding the ego and how it's part of us as humans. Mm. Like if if we don't have a sense of that ego, it's also that sense of the individual, that sense of what, what preferences you have, how you dress, the things you do, the things you like. So it's not necessarily that we're putting the ego to the side, but it's being able to practice the self-constraint to say, oh, this is who I am. And okay, I'm also going to constrain myself just because this person has this thing or tell me to do this. I'm not because it's not who I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Becoming friends with the ego, making the ego your friend instead of the enemy. Yeah. <laughs> on the on the creative side, because I think this is so beautiful, and I think this is what in the twenty first century is missing so much is that sense of self expression. Because and we always talk about this, and I love it. Because it, it's so true. It, it it's it's so key for for this conversation specifically because now you're opening up a whole new level of of understanding for me. Mm-hmm. That sense of of practicing. That self con- that that sense of self constraint and how it can clear the channel for me to be fully self expressed. Mm-hmm. So for yourself in, in the creation side of things, like as you started to realize that maybe there was something blocking that cre- create that creation that creative expression, and you started to practice the uh, brahmacharya self constraint, you've noticed that your self expression has gotten more and more and more over yes. time. And how have you been able to tap into that fully to actually manifest it and express it in the world? So doing a lot of grounding techniques, right? Um, and spending time with myself mm. and having that space there, you know, and then and kind of becoming comfortable with that space. And then also um, trusting myself more, being confident in myself more, that's helped mm-hmm. to have the courage to express self, right? Mm. Um, and then two, just building genuine relationships. Like, so Mel, you know, Mel, right? He's a very good friend of mine. And you, we've yeah. gotten together, yeah. we've all jammed out. And so I'm, I want to take this time to just say that I'm nowhere close to where I could be in my full potential. And I know this and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the yeah. progress in me so mm-hmm. far is so good that it's enough for me to say like, I'm happy who I am today and where I am at today. But, um, so we've gotten together and we practice, which has been super cool. And then Mo and I wrote two songs and, and, and within like two weeks, we're like playing our own original songs at like yeah. and Grateful Cafe in Fort Lauderdale and at Atta when Will Evans came. And then we had the, the holiday classes over the, over the break and we were able to do that. So that's been so gratifying to me. And I do think that my relationship with Mo, my friendship with Mo has allowed that creativity to grow even more because mm. he offers his his talent, his gift, mm-hmm. and it encourages mine. So it's like, I always say this thing, I'm like, um, 
thank you for being you so that I could be me. So I feel like the more that you're you, Sebs, the more I can be me, right? So um, having that friendship and that that support from someone, and I think even the fact that it's a, a masculine sure. is super healing to me because it's like he believes in me enough mm-hmm. to to encourage me and to say like, hey, have you been practicing the guitar? Which was what I was leading to next. It's just that I bought my guitar like two months ago and like I still, and I'm not playing it. So to me, that's a whole nother level of grounding mm. and, and a commitment to myself that I'm going to spend time with the guitar and actually learn it, right? Because it's a desire of mine. Yeah. Um, to learn it and um you know it just i don't know what the next answer is i'm not really as far as i am on my path but i know what i've done so far yeah has worked so my my recommendation to people um who are feeling like low energy and feeling like they're giving their power away and they're not sure who they are and they're lost or you know they're they're not doing the things that they enjoy doing anymore i think that's one of the main first red flags is like you've stopped participating in the things that really make you happy Mm. like if you used to go biking or you used to go painting by the pier like twice a week or whatever it is you know and you don't do those things anymore your creative energy is being subdued Mm. in some way and so i would encourage someone to to look within and to figure out like maybe why i don't like spending so much time on the story sure one of the things i always say is like look out for someone who one wants to know your story She just pointed out. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff there. No, uh-huh. there's a lot of good mm-hmm. stuff there. Mm-hmm. But I also part of me feels like, no, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We all have the same story. Yeah, degree. yeah. But I always tell them like, watch out for two people: the one that wants to know your story, and the one that tells you that there's only one way to do something. Yeah, man. Right. But I would encourage someone to look within, to figure it out, and to to try to try. If they're they feel like they're engaging in reckless behaviors that they feel depleted afterwards, and they they feel shameful up, that to just reel it all in and just really make a commitment to yourself to stop participating in things that you don't enjoy. Yeah, and I think that's that's true too about relationships. Is like once you get into a relationship. You notice you start to do all the things that that other person likes doing. Yep. Like all of a sudden you've adapted or adopted mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. their beliefs, mm-hmm. goals, extracurricular activities. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like then you slowly start to lose yourself. I mean, this, you can relate to this, right? I've totally. I mean, I've been there before. I've been there before myself personally. I've seen it a lot of people. Yeah. I haven't been to the beach in two years. You yep. know what I'm saying? You yep. used to go like every, you know, so... um that that creative expression, that self expression is like I feel like it's a huge benefit that you gain from practicing modesty. Uh, being, seen. being seen. Being seen. I think a lot of people are afraid to be seen. A lot of people don't and again I, I relate. I mean I was telling you when we were singing and da- and, and singing and dancing, I love dancing, but singing and playing guitar, like me playing guitar cool, but the moment that I start to sing and play guitar, like Isn't it wild? It's it's so interesting. That that for you me is a blockage. Me, like- yeah. You, you and more like just hit the drum and I'm like it just feels like you know what I mean like it feels weird to me to singing and playing an instrument that's a whole nother story because it takes it's like it's a lot of variables at once sure but to get to the core of what we're talking about here that sense of being seen fully and I think that if we're gonna be seen fully we need to be really open about who we are and we need to really and to be open about who we are we need to first really face who we're not yeah and maybe this is but, where Go ahead. No, but you know those people though that like they just really want to know your story. <laughs> I know that's not your. Yeah. No, no, I know no, that's no, no, not no. Your intention. I, no. I love you, no. so I trust you, and you're like a good friend of mine. 
But do you know those people who like it kind of seems like they like low-key creepy like kind of well, there's a difference for somebody that wants to know the story to get to know you. And then there's a reason. And then there's the people that want to know your story to then judge you. Right. So it's like you have some people that are looking to get to know who you are so they can have some dirt on you. And then you can have the people that are like, okay, where have you been? Where, because, what have you experienced? Yeah, what have you experienced? Because again, like, yeah, we all have the same story, different variables. Yeah. Like I can go to the same Colombian restaurant multiple times and order the same dish and sometimes it tastes different. How is that the case? Right. Like it doesn't make any, and, and that doesn't make any sense, but it happens. Now, for us as humans, as we go through life, we have our own journeys and our own experiences, but it is very, very important. And I've been very present to this, that when I do ask people for what they've been through and what their life is about, I mean, as a coach, like that is what my job entails. Mm -hmm. Like I'm having a conversation with somebody and we're unraveling, we're going layers deep and it's a cool experience, but I also must remind them to not get stuck there. Not get stuck in the story. No. Because then it becomes a traveling story. Yeah. Our whole life just circles around this one story. Correct. It's like we become so identified to the thing that happened that we're no longer present with who we are. Yeah. There was this cool thing that I was shown one time, and I'll show it to you. So they say, like, okay, here you are. I'm using these people in a pen and dry holistically. This is sex. Hi, Look at him. That was so subliminal. It was so subconscious. I didn't even realize. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> it doesn't even resonate really. Okay, so anyways, they say like, here you are, right? I can't. This is, if we had yes. the camera, we could see This would be great, yep. So this is Sebs, right? Something happened to Sebs like eight years ago, let's say, right? And then what happens is we draw a circle around ourselves and what happened to us eight years ago. And then we stay in that circle. So it keeps yeah. happening to us over and over again. Yeah. Even though the incident has ended, it's over, it's gone, it's no longer affecting our life. We created that, we encapsulated ourselves in that event. And so now we continue to suffer as if it were still happening. Mm. But if we were to just Mm. leave the circle, right, then it's no longer happening. And I feel like when we continue to reiterate to ourselves or to other people, we keep telling that story, we're just reinforcing it over and over again, you know, so that's my thing. But, Mm. Mm. But you'll get my story. In, in time, I'm not attached to it. Yeah. If it happens, it happens. Back to that really quick. I think that's, yeah. that's such a key thing because I think we, we as as humans, as we, as we're subconsciously, because in that, and that's literally like what you just pointed to, this is where so many people get caught up in because they don't realize how subconsciously they're recreating well, experiences sure. so they can the reaffirm their story. Yeah. That's the ego. It's ignorance. That, that is the yeah. And if we can bring it back to the conversation, if we can really practice the sense of self uh, not self-reliance, self-control and self-restraint, mm-hmm. we can start to really get present to those stories are not as real as we think they are. Mm-hmm. And maybe the pattern has been built so sh- for such a long period of time that it'll take you much longer than you realize. Oh, sure. It's like we, we now know that neuroplasticity is very real. The more we focus on something, the stronger that actual bond is created in the brain. Mm-hmm. So if we're practicing non-attachment and we're practicing self-control, now we're in a space where we can actually step outside of what we thought was quote-unquote reality and step into the reality. We as humans don't experience reality. We experience reality based on what we focus on. So here we are in experiencing where we're seeing, and it just happened, uh, now, when was this? A couple of days ago. We're watching something on, online, and what's, showing, what's being shown online is so negative. There's so many bad things going on online. Mm-hmm. But we take a step back, and is it really actually that bad? Right, or is it even happening? Or is it even happening? Now, that's a different story. <laughs> that's 
a whole different but conversation. I, but I was in the class the other day. It came to my mind. I'll just share it really quickly. Perfect example of what you're talking about. Small scale and not really juicy. But um, I was teaching class and it was Raja. Yeah. And the music's really low and it's really damn It's like very cool and chill and relaxing. And everyone's just kind of like in a matter of, you know, relaxed state. And all of a sudden the guy starts blowing the leaves. Um, the land, the yeah. water, the tree guy. Right, he starts, and so I become furious because I'm like, really, like this is not the time to be blowing the leaves, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm getting upset about it, and he's just out there, right? So it's like his reality in that moment yeah. is a totally different reality than mine, right? Mm-hmm. So he has no idea the effect that it's having on me, and we're only you know 100 feet away from each other, 150 yeah. feet away from each other. But my experience is so different. Mm. He's out there with the sun coming down, the wind's blowing. I mean, he may not love his job. But sure. He's just, you know, like yeah. probably meditating yeah. to some degree, right? <laughs> he's like, and I'm in here and I'm like supposed to be meditating. I'm like, pissed. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. two different realities, parallel yeah. universes happening at the same time. Mm. So it's like, even when something happens, it's like your story, my story, as I tell it to you, may not even be based on real reality it's my perception of what happened so it's like it's just there's so many layers to it and to that example to bring it back and bring it full circle to the conversation of brahmacharya i would assert and imagine and again i'm asserting so i would imagine that it's much easier for you to be mindful of that and of those emotions coming up because you've been practicing that sense of self-control for such a long period of time this is why again for somebody that seeing pat correct seeing patterns yeah and myself yeah this is why for somebody that maybe has never practiced any sort of self-control, maybe they catch themselves. I mean, addiction is one of the most prevalent things happening in sure. society today. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even have to be a substance. It could easily be a phone. Yeah. Like, it's very real mm-hmm. to start to practice for themselves. Like, even a simple act of journaling on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Like, you can start to take a free-flow journaling practice where you start to realize, whoa, the emotions that I'm talking about are pretty similar. The experiences I'm, I'm writing down are pretty similar. Now we're starting to understand that Maybe right now, the life that you're living is not necessarily the life that you're living. It's the patterns of your life that you're living. Mm-hmm. And being stuck in the loop. And st- yeah, being stuck in the loop. And while we're on that too, I know you do coaching and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's like always replacing something. If you take something away, you have oh, to yeah. replace it with something else, at least temporarily. It's mm-hmm. good, good mm-hmm. habit. Mm-hmm. Um, which could be something like journaling. But I think the practice yeah. itself is that, you know, that thing that you're replacing it with. For but, sure. But also too, just with the neuroplasticity, I was just adding that essentially like what the Eastern and Western medicine is saying is pretty much they're coming into closer alignment mm-hmm. seeing now. Mm-hmm. But the yoga always speaks about the spine, which is essentially the central nervous system, mm-hmm. communicating with the brain and sending all the messages all over your body. And that's what Western medicine is kind of talking about too, is the brain and how and the spine and the central nervous system and the neurons and the messages, the motor, motor skills, right? So that's what yoga essentially is doing is reprogramming our motor skills or, or, or it's re-education for our, for our muscles and our, and our skeleton and our, you know, brain and everything, you know, so. It's the most incredible practice. It's like just to slow it down. Just mm. Be still and just mm. really become aware of like what is coming into your mind and you know are you fidgety like what what are your tendencies and now, um, but I'd say most of us overall are, are, are restless. Mm. 
breast lessons. So we want that. We want this. We want that. What can I do to make me feel better? What kind of gratification can I get right now mm. that will take me away from how I'm feeling right now? Because I don't, the ego doesn't want to experience this. Um, so to do that for the same period of time, I feel like it's really beneficial. And as you're bringing that up with yoga, for this, the actual practice of the asanas, such a such an easy access to start to understand the patterns. I mean, the amount of things that have come up for me in practice have been many, and it took me some time to actually get into outside of the just the physical practice and into the deeper layer of yoga because people get started with with practice in the asanas. And it's like, oh, it's just a physical practice stretching. Like literally that's where I was at maybe like eight, 10 years ago. And it took me a continuous practice to understand that this is so much deeper than just a physical practice. And that's because you're curious. Mm. You have a curious soul and you're inquisitive. Because mm -hmm. I was thinking about this the other day is that people who leave before Shavasana, mm. it's like they're missing out so much on probably the most important part of the practice. Mm. And it's like they don't even know it. Like whatever their whatever reasons taking them away is important to them in mm. their reality they've made that decision that this is more important. So it's like, they may not even realize what they're missing out on. Mm -hmm. so you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not sure what it takes to get that first initial like yearning for discovery or yeah. I feel like people become desperate. We talked about this last time. I think there has to be a level of desperation of some degree mm -hmm. or yearning or, you know, wanting of something more, you know, or, or giving up or surrendering. Yeah. And then it becomes inspirational, or maybe even it's not inspirational at first, but there's so much more than the asana practice. But even if they don't have that awareness, they're still getting all those benefits yeah. from the practice. Yeah. But not after leaving <laughs> And just so for those that don't know, Shavasana is typically at the very end of the of the practice and it, they call it that uh, corpse pose. And yeah. you're literally just laying on your back and you're, the way that I see it, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm marinating in this. Saturated in yeah so much peace and there's actually been times where i've had some massive insights there's been times where i feel like for five minutes that the actual pose is held for lying on your back again mind you i'm gone yeah you're in another i'm in a completely different place traveled out to the ether mm -hmm. yeah i love it mm -hmm. it's super important um it's really just meant to decompress and to bring you back to your center and to um have some moment of stillness to reflect on what you just experienced and to allow the body to reach a point of homeostasis or um, equilibrium again before mm. you stand up right away. Mm. Um, but also it's it's meant to be meditative, like you're saying, and you kind of just are able to be still, close your eyes and breathe. And it, you're at the bare minimum at that point, you're not, there's nothing stimulating you, nothing mm -hmm. distracting you. It's just you, yourself and your breath. Mm. And that experience is a uh, huge. So it's like, it takes discipline. It's practice. Yeah. But, um, but to not even try. Yeah. Well, that's not what we're talking again, back to Ramacharya or the lack of, the lack of self-control, self-restraint, where maybe there's, the monkey brain is so rattling. That's... For sure. Like, even if you notice you're like the only one that's always leaving, like for me, I would eventually get to go and be like, why am I the only one that's leaving? Yeah. Maybe I should just stay and see like what it is that, I'm resistant to. You know I wonder I mean? if there's if there's just a lack of complete ignorance to it. If yeah, there's like for sure. totally unknown of like, okay, class is over. I'm done. I'm going to go and shower and not lay here because I'm done. Yeah. Without fully understanding like the depths of it. Possibly. I remember reading um the one thing or one simple thing. The book. The book, yeah, the yoga book that it, it, it describes the um, Reddit through teacher training, Blake, which I recommended it to everybody. 
one simple thing I put, I think it's called, yeah, orange book, orange little book, but it, it's describing from it's, he's a scientist uh, studying the brain and somebody from India comes to him and says, Hey, I need you, or I want you to uh, come with me on this journey of exploring yoga from a scientific perspective. Like let's bridge the worlds. So he goes and he's meeting all these different people that are practicing consistently. And he's like, how is it that people from all socioeconomic levels, any gender, any age mm-hmm. are all getting the same result, which is from a biological standpoint, like all very um, level balances, like their brains roll strong, their focus rolls strong. And the practice, yeah, the practice to be able to actually put oneself in that space where you can challenge yourself and also be in a place of peace. Like that is a place where for most of humans don't know, like you can be in a place of challenge and still be in peace. Oh, for sure. It doesn't have to be mutually Steady exclusive. But Steady but comfortable. Yeah. yeah. People are like, oh, if I'm going to be doing something challenging, then I have to be in fight or flight. Not the case. No, not the case. Not the case. You actually find flow when you're able to be in a space of challenge and peace. Okay yeah, for sure. But no, it's huge. I remember I'm just going to share this. And then, um, when I first started going to classes, um, Frankie would do like these special little creoles of some sort. They were always interesting. And like when I first started, and this is embarrassing to share, but like he'd be like, okay, press down your, you know, whatever it was, like your ring finger or your middle finger. And I was so distracted and so in a different place mentally. Mm-hmm. Like that at first, like I couldn't, I didn't know like which one was, and it's not that I don't know which one's my ring, yeah. but like in that moment, I had to really stop and be like, fold down my ring finger and yeah. my thumb. And do you know what I mean? Totally. Like the brain is like totally, so totally. <laughs> burnt out that like, or over, you know, or it'd be like, okay, like cover, you know, with your right thumb, shut your right thumb, and I'll be like, you know, which one's my ring? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like. I mean, that literally happened to me today as we were doing that shit. Nah, I couldn't get my pointer and my middle finger down. I put my pinky and my, and my ring finger down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it happens. Um, but those are the little things. It's like getting everything just back online. Yeah. You know, back online, back on awareness. Yeah. Which brahmacharya gives us an opportunity. Amongst many other things. Amongst yes. many things, but brahmacharya gives us a and access to that yeah so for me and 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 i don't know where we are yeah we're like we're like um, i just wanted to end with this is there will be certain concepts or beliefs or virtues that will stand out to you i feel like each person on their journey and for me they've it's really been santosha contentedness brahmacharya uh, modesty um a pedigraha non-coveting that one's huge Um, yeah, just letting go of attachment to things, right? And uh, yeah, I think like there was one more I wanted to share. I mean, they're all beautiful, obviously, and then no harm. Yeah, cleanliness, masculinity, all those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll dive deep into them over time. Yeah, this is a deep conversation. Thank you, Carissa, for sharing. Yeah, (laughs) I can't believe that you. Why did I you? Oh, you're so funny. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for a deep conversation. Yeah, I trust whoever's listening to, to this right it. now. Yeah, me too. Me too. Is yeah. gonna get something for themselves, and I got to know you at a deeper level today. So thank you for that. Yes. And subs. Appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to follow, like, and subscribe to stay updated on future episodes. And we would love to know how you enjoyed today's episode by leaving us a review. 
We look forward to continuing this journey of self-discovery and connection with you, and we'll see you on the next episode. Much love.